2: and we are live welcome to the fantasy football Roundtable. i am dennis bennett you can find me at culture underscore coach on the twitter machines uh, we are proud partners of the pigskin podcast network find them at pigskinpodnet on twitter lots of different channels there we've got the pigskin hockey network the pigskin basketball network pop culture wrestling all kinds of fun stuff over with the uh the tppn people and we're, I would like to welcome my friend Matt, who's in here, and then we have a very special guest, Mr. Marcus Grant from NFL Fantasy. How's everybody doing today?
1: Good. Appreciate the invitation.
2: So, Matt Bruning should be joining us a little bit later. Uh, let's jump right in, Marcus. And, and so you're at NFL Fantasy, and, and you started this collaboration, uh, 32-Bit. Tell us a little bit about 32-Bit before we get started on Fantasy Football. Yeah, a
1: bunch of us, mostly fantasy football types, you know, that's what we do in the during the football season. Got together and decided, you know, let's do a thing that is sort of pop culture, kind of nostalgia focused. I mean, there are some sporting elements to it, but definitely, uh, you know, trying to do more sort of pop culture type things, entertainment type things. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, no pun intended, we are cooking up a food show uh, a little bit as well. But it was just a chance for us to kind of spread our spread our wings a little bit and do something beyond what people sort of know us for uh, and just kind of have some fun. So uh, we we kind of initially started doing stuff during the season when obviously everybody was sort of busy with football. And now it's a chance for us to kind of really dive into it. But even in the short time, the sort of soft launch we put together, um, been very pleasantly surprised by the reaction. A lot of folks who seem to be... Kind of tuning into the content we're creating, we're asking you know more about it. So uh, it's been it's been a pretty fun experience so far. I feel like you know what, what's coming in the next few months uh, should be pretty exciting.
2: Now, is there a website they can go to for that, or is it just stuff? Uh, right now,
1: yeah, right now it's just the YouTube channel, which I think is uh, I should know this right. This should be important. YouTube.com, I think it's just thirty-two bit, which is it's the number thirty and the word two, t w o uh, bit. But
3: uh, there is a website that is in the work. All right. Right on. Well, and we're excited because not only do we get to talk about an excellent football weekend and a few uh, players whose values changed, since you're here, even Dennis was excited to participate in Marvel Movie Corner. (laughs) So Marvel Movie Corner is back. Hopefully, Bruning will be back for that. But without further ado, let us jump into what turned out to be a fantastic weekend of games as long as you weren't rooting for the home team most of the time. <laughs> but uh, Saturday, we saw both number one seeds in action. First game was the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. The Bengals clipped them 19-16. to Bengals gave up a lot of sacks. Dennis, is that line a concern going into the AFC championship game?
2: Well, I think the line has been a concern all year. You know, uh, a lot of people, myself included, felt like they should have went uh, with Panay Sewell at the beginning of the year. Now, that's not to discount how good Jamar Chase has been. But, you know, taking Jackson Carmen in the second and then him not, I think he only started five or six games. Uh, you got uh, Isaiah Fault start Prince over there at right tackle, which kills me because I'm an Ohio State fan. I love Ohio State, but... That dude, is spent, he spent his whole Ohio State career fault starting, carried it right on into the NFL. Um, you know, I don't know that Riley Reef has a lot left in the tank, but I feel like, you know, at least he wouldn't. Uh, I, I think he's a little better than Isaiah Prince. I think next season, this offseason in free agency and uh, 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 the draft, they need to uh, address the offensive line.
3: Yeah, it looked like Joe Burrow got knocked around a few times. What did you think, Marcus?
2: Yeah, no,
1: I agree. And you know I know that was the argument, right? And leading up to the draft, do they take Panay Sewell? Do they go after a wide receiver? And obviously, look, it's, it's hard to argue with the results you see from Jamar Chase. But I, I really thought they were going to take uh, some time and, and put a lot more effort into building that offensive line, especially – after you had your franchise quarterback miss a good chunk of his rookie year because of a torn ACL. And and my fear uh, going into this season was I I hope that we don't see Joe Burrow sort of become Andrew Luck 2.0 as in a super talented guy who takes a beating because his franchise doesn't really make an effort to protect him. So uh, I would hope that after what we have seen, So far this season with this offense really coming into its own and the defense obviously uh, looking pretty good as well, but they really do make it a focus to go out and build that offensive line. So I think that's sort of the one thing that might be a deficiency. And look, we have no idea right now how the AFC championship game plays out if they figure out a way to get to the Super Bowl. But I do think that over the long term, you, you know you've got your quarterback, right? Joe Burrow has shown he can be that guy. You've got to set him up for success, and that means making sure that you can keep him upright more
2: often than not. Yeah, I think if Burrow just needs to be cooler than that kicker when that kicker's walking (laughs) on the field going, oh, it looks like we're going to the Mm -hmm. NFC Championship game before that kick. That that was something there. I know. He might be
3: one of the top kickers in fantasy next year. Well, the Bengals were the good side. Titans – Had a pretty good season, you know, end up as the number one seed. We got to see Derrick Henry back. He had a a few moments, uh, but they ultimately come up short. I'm going to kick it to you, Marcus, first on this one. What do you think the Titans need to do this offseason?
1: I think a big thing is they've got to figure out their secondary. Um, That was a weak spot for them all year long. You know, I know just speaking from a fantasy perspective, one of the things we knew we could do was sort of pick on them in the passing game whenever we wanted to. So that's the thing they've really got to figure out. But I also do think, You do have to look at the quarterback spot. You know, I feel like where we saw them go, I think that's about as far as maybe you can get with Ryan Tannehill. I don't know that he can get you much beyond that. The problem with teams that need a quarterback this offseason is that there just don't seem to be a whole lot of options out. But maybe maybe Russell Wilson ends up getting traded somewhere. Maybe after what happened uh, this weekend, Aaron Rodgers really is done with Green Bay and he wants to move on to other spots. But the free agency market is not going to be particularly good for the quarterback position. The draft doesn't seem to have any immediate saviors there. So even if you are a team like the Titans, and there are a handful of other teams, I think, in this same situation, I don't know that you can go out and easily acquire a guy that you feel like is going to be as good or better than your current guy. But I I just think that uh, with Ryan Tannehill, this is maybe about their ceiling uh, as long as he's their quarterback.
2: Yeah, I think with Tannehill, it comes down to you, you have to build the team in such a way that he doesn't have to carry it. So it's like the Brad Johnson Buccaneers or the Trent Dilfer Ravens. So that if they're going to keep Tannehill, they're going to need to really invest in that defense and make that defense uh, – pl- have everybody play up to the level of Jeffrey Simmons. And And without some of those guys executing that, it puts – it, it puts Tannehill in a position where he has to win games and he's just not, that's just not his thing.
3: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me, you know, I think that that first year that they went with Tannehill where they went all the way to the AFC championship game, it felt like it was on the back of that really strong defense that we've seen ebb away a little bit the last two years. I'll be also curious they rolled the dice a lot, I thought, with thinking they were going to get some good production out of Anthony Perkser that we didn't really see, and on the Julio Jones trade that didn't really materialize for any of us that had our hopes uh, that he was going to be a week-to-week value. So I'll be curious to see if they do something more than sign a Josh Reynolds and draft a Des Fitzpatrick. You're not a Nick Westbrook bikini? <laughs> uh, you know, I thought he did, it, he did a nice job, but it was just interesting to see them – not really invest. Uh, A.J. Brown is incredible. Henry, when he's going, is incredible. They lucked out Deontay Foreman, but feel like they're missing something else in that mix too. Well, the second game Saturday was arguably the most surprising result of the weekend um, as the Packers rolled out there, rolled down to an opening drive touchdown, and subsequently lost 13-10. to 10. At home on frozen Lambeau Field. 49ers get another big road victory uh, in this playoffs. Jimmy G was out there. Um, You know, early on, looked like he was targeting some guys that maybe weren't hanging on to the ball later. It was, uh, I think... Troy Aikman and Joe Buck set a record for how many times they could talk about Jimmy G getting away with one or should have been intercepted. Dennis, does Jimmy need to do more for them in the NFC Championship?
2: Yeah, I I don't see how he cannot uh, do more. It it was, you know, what, 11 for 19 for 131 yards. You know, they've got some great weapons with Debo and with Isaiah, or not Isaiah, Elijah Mitchell uh, and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. So the offense has firepower. Uh, As long as the offensive line gives him some time, you know they've got pieces on defense that really can make plays. It really, it's, it's, you know, he's looking up at Tannehill right now, which is not a great place to be uh, from (laughs) a quarterback productivity perspective. Uh, And I get, I struggle because you, you. It's generally considered Trey Lance has all of these tools, so why not play him? Well, you're in the playoffs trying to make the Super Bowl and you've got a veteran quarterback. I, I kind of get the you don't want to just turn the ship over to a rookie right now. But if Jimmy puts up a game like he did uh, against the Packers without the snow that kind of holds the Packers down, uh, I think it's going to be a long, long I, – I, I I would put my money on the Rams breaking that six-game losing streak.
1: Yeah, it's a weird situation because in some respects, I think Jimmy needs to do more. In some respects, I think Jimmy needs to do less, right? Like, you look at that interception he threw uh, late in the first half. The Niners were driving. They got in the red zone. Looked like they were finally going to get some points. And he rolls out and forces one into coverage and throws a pick. And anybody who watches the Niners regularly just knows that that is sort of peak Jimmy. Like, you're going to see that more often than not. Uh, and so it's frustrating. But on the other hand, there are times when he stands in the pocket and he just misses wide open throws. I mean, you know, anybody who watched that Super Bowl still has PTSD to him missing Emmanuel Sanders. And he did it. Uh, he did it against the Cowboys, and he had Brandon Ayuk deep down field, wide open, and just overshot him. And so it it is a weird, uh, you know. It, He's, he's sort of Schrodinger's quarterback. He's either good or not good, and you can't really figure out from play to play which one it's going to be. So, yeah, sometimes he does need to do more, and he needs to be more accurate and make some of those easy throws. Sometimes he needs to do less and stop trying to force the ball where it shouldn't be, uh, especially in key situations where, look, some, sometimes it's okay to throw an incompletion and play for another down. Sometimes it's even okay to play for a field goal, uh, and sometimes it feels like he's always trying to make the home run play.
3: Yeah, that was even that interception. Uh, Kittle was open by the time Jimmy tried to get the ball. He didn't have enough arm, and he was too late.
2: So how much do you think the thumb is still bothering him?
1: Uh, I think it's definitely still an issue, and I know the Niners keep trying to downplay it, and he's trying to downplay it as well. Um, But it just looks like there are times when he can't grip the football, and I'm sure it wasn't fun in you know, two degree weather or whatever it was uh, at Lambeau. It, it can't be fun to try to grip a football in that situation either. So um, it, it is an issue, but I'm, I'm sort of with you. At, at this point, you're not going to hand the game over to Trey Lance. The only way Trey Lance takes over is if Jimmy suffers an injury where he can't keep going. But you're just not going to see Kyle Shanahan at this point decide, you know, we're just going to turn it over to Trey Lance and let him see what he can do. I just feel like you are, you're too far into it to make that move right now. I would say though, that-
3: One thing that has surprised me a little bit is we we saw the Raiders throughout the season use packages for Mariota. They continued that over to the playoffs. Even when Jimmy G was starting, especially in the first part of the season, they were doing packages with Trey Lance, getting him involved at least to spark an offense. It's been curious to me that he just – that doesn't even yeah. seem to be a consideration, even when their offense sort of is stagnating at times in the playoffs. Be curious to see if they if they pull that out in warm, sunny Los Angeles. <laughs> well, uh, obviously, Frozen Tundra didn't treat the Packers very kindly. They were the only team in the regular season to be undefeated at home, only to uh, fall short in their first playoff game. We saw uh, kind of all the the things that started coming out right away. They have significant cap issues. They don't have Devontae Adams signed, but the biggest question was Aaron Rodgers. So we're going to throw it to you first, Marcus. Do you think he is back in Green Bay in 2022?
1: So if you had asked me this question a week, two weeks ago, I would have said, "Yeah, I think he's back." You know, all the all the talk out of Green Bay is that he, had, he you know, they had mended fences, that everything was fine, that that you know. Rodgers was not unhappy anymore. It was going to be all good. Uh, And now, you know, all of a sudden, here it is. They've they've been kicked out of the playoffs early. They were the one seed. They lose at home. They can't move the football aside from that opening drive. They get three points the rest of the game. Uh, And as you mentioned, they do have big issues about this. And I, you know, I saw the quote, I think this morning from him saying, I don't want to be part of a rebuild if that's what's going to happen. So, now, all of a sudden, I think we're going to spend another off season in limbo. Um, you know, I mean, as far as I know, I don't think Jeopardy has named a permanent host just yet. So um, Every time maybe, they try, it
3: backfires. <laughs> you know,
1: so maybe, maybe that's a possibility for him again. I don't know. Uh, but I am a lot less certain about him being back in Green Bay right now uh, than I was at the same time a couple weeks ago.
2: Yeah, and not only does it feel a lot more like he's not going to be in Green Bay it feels a lot more like he's not going to be anywhere. Uh, Like after this game, it kind of felt like he's like, you know what? I have a lot of money. I don't need to deal with this BS. I can go off and I'm going to go back, meet up with Miles Teller, and let's go climb the mountains (laughs) in Hawaii again, uh, swim in the the waterfalls and whatnot. Now it's like – so in Green Bay, he's got this huge cap number this year. I think it's like forty-six million dollars. Yeah, it is a
3: little over 46.
2: And and they can save is it 20 million, I think, if they cut him. They only mm-hmm. they're eaten. They have twenty six million in dead cap. Yeah. If they if they let him go and try to keep Devontae Adams by franchise tagging him, are we gonna end up with another Allen Robinson season up there in Green Ooh. Bay with, with Devontae Adams? Uh, I know they extended Aaron Jones, but AJ Dillon looks like he's. I, I'll be honest. When it comes to to AJ Dillon, I missed. I I didn't think. I, now I don't think he's the second coming of Derrick Henry, but uh, I also can see he's not the second coming of uh, Andre Williams either. So uh, and and so I I felt like he was closer to Williams than Henry, and I was clearly wrong. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I feel like. He's going to take some time, but we've definitely entered uh, the stage of every offseason is a question for him until he hangs it up. I
3: sort of lean um, with you. I, I feel like he's fed up with the NFL. It would certainly seem like some of his hour-long diatribes with uh, Pat McAfee this season have, have indicated a level of frustration, I would say, that makes – Makes me definitely feel like he's leaning toward – I feel like he's even – last year, after the heartbreaking loss that they had, his post-game press conference gave me a moment of pause. I thought he sounded sort of defeated, like he might hang it up. And I think he's talked about that he molded that for a while. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to take a break or step away. And then you're right, Dennis, it opens up a lot of questions because with that kind of a cap situation, if you no longer have Aaron Rodgers and there aren't any easy answers in free agency or in the draft, and you don't know what you have in Jordan Love, are you looking at maybe trying to get rid of some of your higher cost players and rebooting what you're, what you're doing? So a lot of, I'm sure Green Bay Packers fans don't want to hear that after 39 wins over the last three seasons. But
2: uh, So Green Bay Packers fans
3: can't win the Super Bowl this year, but Dennis, what opportunity can they take advantage of?
2: Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for bigger payouts. Uh, The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Well, after we saw both number one seeds lose on Saturday, the number two seeds had to be feeling a little uncomfortable going into (laughs) Sunday's game. In the uh, first matchup, the Rams went in to face the Buccaneers, built a huge lead, and then felt really bad about potentially ending Tom Brady's run. Uh, so they decided to let him back. I, I feel like Cam Akers personally wanted to Brady to hang around. You know, he's always admired him. He thought, "What's the quickest way I can do this? I'll just put the ball on the ground." The rams have,
2: he's not that far from Tampa. The, the, Ram,
3: the Rams center had been watching a lot of Peyton Manning against the Seahawks Super Bowl video. Decided to hike one over Stafford's head, but the Rams end up pulling it out. Uh, they just wanted to make a sweat, so. Marcus, I'm going to go to you first. Can they become the first team to host not only the NFC Championship game but the Super Bowl two weeks later?
1: I mean, they can certainly. Look, you're, you're talking about a divisional matchup. Anything can happen. Although, look, the, the Niners have had their number six in a row now. That San Francisco has won, and I think what it is, and I don't, I don't know if this is something that the, if it's just a Niners thing that they've gotten in, you know, Sean McVay's head or the Rams' head, but it's something about the Niners and and they go out and they basically just decide we're going to punch you in the mouth and we're going to see if you can respond. And more often than not, it seems like the Rams don't. And and I was really sort of surprised uh, on, on Sunday that I didn't see more Leonard Fournette in the second half of that game. And maybe it's because, you know, the Rams jumped out to a big lead and so it was going to be a little bit harder for the Bucs to run the football consistently, but it just seemed like when Fournette was involved, He was breaking off chunk plays, and I think that's been sort of the difference. I mean, look, before that Week 18 game, you had George Kittle out there saying, look, this is a body bag game for us, right? Like, we're going to go out and we're going to hit people in the mouth, and we're going to see whether or not they fold up. And in the end, it was the Niners who played physical. Debo Samuel did a little bit of everything, and they came back and ended up winning that game in overtime at SoFi. So, you know, unless something changes, unless the Rams sort of – uh, you know, I, I think, you know, at this point you're sort of talking in platitudes, but, you know, if they they, they kind of tighten that chin strap and they get ready for literally a four-quarter fight, um, I wouldn't be totally surprised if you see the Niners go into SoFi for the second time in, what, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, and pull out another win and get to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Rams can certainly win, um, but, but the Niners getting a win on the road yet again uh, would not be a shocking outcome to me.
2: Yeah, you know, the the Kittle-led Rams very much have that underdog wrestler mentality. You know, he brings that WWE into the huddle, and it, it's like they, they're they down. It's like when Hulk Hogan would start to raise the fist <laughs> and come back when he was down, you'd think, you know, or the Undertaker would sit up after looking like he'd been knocked out. George Kittle kind of brings that mentality, and I think the rest of the team feeds off it. Uh, but I also think that the Rams are coming in while Stafford has a fair amount of comeback wins, he doesn't have a lot of big wins. I'm a Detroit Lions fan from birth, and and I'm so happy that Stafford uh, is doing well out in L.A., but he needs to get a big signature win, and this is going to have to be it right now. This is the biggest game of his career, and he needs to figure out what do I need to do to not get a big lead and then hold off a team storming back like happened last week. He needs to be able to get out ahead. The rest of the team the defense needs to keep San Francisco in check. I, I want I, I want nothing more than I mean I picked the Rams as my Super Bowl team at the beginning of the season. Now I picked them to lose for to Cleveland so take that for what it's worth.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm just a year ahead. I'm a year early on Cleveland that's all so, <laughs> But I I feel like the the Rams are right there, and six games in a row is a lot. I mean, the Rams got to get one eventually, right? If not now, when? I mean, this is the biggest stage they've they've been on. Uh, I think McVay, having been to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, I feel like from a coaching perspective, he's bringing a little bit of experience there, and that's going to help them get over this hump.
3: Yeah, and this is the point in the show where Marcus realizes that the intro song with all those underperforming teams was, was a sizzle reel of our, our sad fandoms. Uh, but, uh, you know, what concerns me about the Rams is down the stretch in the regular season, and we've seen it kind of continue into the playoffs, they play one really good half and one dubious half. Now, the Cardinals didn't have enough fight to do anything about it, but the Rams we saw in the first half against the Cardinals were a little bit different than the Rams we saw kind of playing in the second half. We saw that in week 18. That's what really cost them against the 49ers because they came out and they were up big and it looked like they were clocking them, and then it kind of went away. Same thing happened on Sunday with Tampa Bay. It happened in reverse when they were in Baltimore. They had a dreadful first half and then kind of came alive in the second half. What concerns me a little bit about the Rams, I think they have talent. They have talent all over the field. Is I don't know if we've seen them play a consistent four quarter game in a little stretch here, and I think that's what they're going to need if they want to get the, the week, Super week. This, yeah. this is definitely the week. Well, Dennis, Tom Brady. For the first time in quite a while, we've heard him equivocate a little bit about his intentions for next season in those interviews. So we asked this about Rogers. It's even a fair question about the other MVP front runner, Brady. Is he back in 2022, and is it with Tampa?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, where else is he going to go? I, I think people have said him. if
3: he wants to cement that legacy, he's got to do it for the Jets.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think he's back. I think he's back in Tampa. I I think there, you know, Gronk will be back, but you know, if you watch some of those plays, Gronk is, does not have the athleticism and agility he once had. I mean he gets out there and at six seven he gets open because he's giant, but he lumbers up and down the field now. He's he's uh you know which my dynasty shares of OJ Howard fret that. <laughs> uh, you know. But I, I think Brady's back. I think I think Brady is an addict, and he's addicted to winning. And this is a good team. They've got uh, they've got really good players on defense. They've got really good players on offense. Whether they bring Godwin back, franchise him or whatnot, I don't know about that. Uh, I definitely think they're going to need a second weapon. Mike Evans, as good as he is he you know he had a great game yesterday but he only caught 50 percent of his targets uh i think evans is a great red zone threat he's a great big body guy he can do a lot of things but he can't do what chris godwin can do and so bringing godwin back i think would be something or somebody in the vein of chris godwin is what that offense needs you know i've heard talk oh james white's a free agent i I don't know where White is at this point in his career. He's certainly not a difference maker, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'd i be surprised if Brady hung him up. I mean, you're talking about a guy who just came off a 5,300-yard passing season. He had 40 or 43 touchdowns. Um, and I think especially the way this year ended, I just can't imagine him – wanting it to end that way now look, if, if he goes through it again next year and and they sort of get beat up and, and they're losing the playoffs then maybe we can talk about it again but i just i don't think coming off a super bowl win losing in the playoffs the way they did um i can't imagine he won't want to run it back one more time and it's not as though this team like you said th- this team's still going to be very competitive they are still unless something drastic happens they're still probably the best team uh, in the NFC South right now, so there's there's very much a chance that they could be back in the same position again next year. So I, I think he wants to run it back one more time. Um, you know, it just I think what happened this year though shows how difficult it is to repeat in the NFL. Part of what helped the Bucks last year, I kept saying this, is that they had really great injury luck. They didn't sustain any really serious injuries, and the ones that the ones that were more serious. Happened sort of earlier in the year and everybody got healthy in time for them to make that playoff run. That wasn't the case this year. I mean, you know, on top of obviously the high profile Godwin injury, you know, you had Antonio Brown go all Antonio Brown and and get kicked off the team. Um, but you know, losing Tristan works was a huge deal. And you saw that with them trying to slow down that Rams pass rush throughout the game, you know, having guys beat up along the offensive line, having a lack of depth at wide receiver, I think sort of showed up. And so I think, I think, you know, you take all that into account, but the fact that this team still has talent, I think that sort of lines things up for Brady to at least give it one more shot next year.
2: Yeah, I, I think it was interesting from the standpoint of we've seen guys like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, so from, from a dynasty perspective, they, they're down the depth chart, but then they get a chance and, and they get put in a three-wide receiver set, four-wide receiver set, and they make a play. And so dynasty managers hold out hope. This year, both of them had their chance, and both of them pretty much shit the bed. And it was just, you know, I, I don't know, man.
3: Yeah, I tend, I tend to lean – Uh, With you, Marcus, I I think he's back for one more year, if only because there are so many questions with the other three teams in the NFC South. I think they have, especially with Sean Payton supposedly being on the fence about hanging it up in New Orleans. I think they have a pretty good chance of going through their division. And once you're in the playoffs,
2: anything can happen. It's amazing the quarterback landscape would make Sean Payton go, yeah, I think I'm done. (laughs) Taysom, why couldn't you do it for me?
3: (laughs) Well, speaking of anything can happen, my God, the game of possibly... The season so far was uh, the nightcap on Sunday, Buffalo and Kansas City. I was looking forward to this as my number one game of the weekend, and it did not disappoint. We saw 25 points scored in the last minute and 54, and then a coin flip decide which one of these teams is going to the AFC championship, and I think probably uh, to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen. Gave it his all, had a couple of shoestring beautiful throws down the stretch there, but it ultimately is not enough for Buffalo. He doesn't even see the ball in overtime. Marcus, what do the Bills need this offseason? For Patrick Mahomes to
1: retire? Um. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, I, I think honestly for them, it just it just was it was the bad luck of running up on you know the guy who may be the next greatest quarterback that, that this league has seen. Because I don't know that there's any real deficiencies here. I mean, like it, it definitely it definitely hurt that they didn't have Tre'Davious White. Right, you're missing your best player on defense. That is a big deal, undoubtedly. But still, I mean, they did everything to put themselves in position to win. They were 13 seconds away. From moving on to the AFC Championship game, and then Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I mean, I guess what we're gonna call this the Grim Reaper game, right? Like that was right. the, the the thing on the sideline when when it's grim, go be the Grim Reaper. And so Patrick Mahomes went out there and he snatched the souls of everybody in Western New York. Um, and the Chiefs are moving on. So I, I don't see any glaring weaknesses with this Bills team. Um, they they just had the misfortune of running up on a really great quarterback
3: who did a really special thing at the time his team needed it most to happen. Let me tell you, he snatched a few souls here in
2: Colorado. (laughs) So I think, I think, uh, after the game, Alan needed to get on the horn with Peyton Manning and ask him, how did you do that year after year after year being second to Brady? (laughs) I mean, that's what we're looking at right now. And, you know, Alan, I, you know, when they scored, uh, At 154, I was like, oh man, that's too much time. And then then Kansas City scored. And I was like, oh man, that might be too much time. (laughs) And then there was 13 seconds, and my initial reaction was, oh, that's too much time. And I was like, they're not gonna they're not gonna kick it to them, are they? They're not gonna, you know, so they can't, they're not gonna take a chance on a kick return. I even tweeted, I was like, Kansas City's gonna put Tyreek Hill back there to return that kick. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he's your most dynamic weapon, and they didn't. But then Buffalo just kicked it out of the end zone. It's like, I thought 13 seconds. Yeah, he's going to be trying a 65, 67 yard field goal uh, at best. And it was just amazing that it shows how, you know, Andy Reid, for most of his career, has gotten uh, bagged on for not being a great. Time manager, and he hit that last two minutes with all three of his timeouts there. They had timeouts left at 13 seconds. It was phenomenal. I don't know, you know, after Butker missed one and uh missed the extra point. I was like, I don't know, man. This seems he's gotta make it, and then they got down so close, so much closer. It's like, oh, here's the line, you see it on TV, it's where they gotta get to. And Kelsey just ran that off script play right down the middle of the field. I was probably more concerned that he was he was gonna pull a Dak and just run too far.
3: <laughs> way, way to dig the knife into the, ca- the Cowboys fans. I was just grateful I didn't uh, break anything like the week prior trying to watch that Dallas game where I put my thumb into the dryer. I thought I fractured it, never do chores. Wow, you're watching these games. But much like Josh Allen, I needed a hug after that game. Um, but it did feel like we were witnessing something historical. Four seasons now as a starter, four AFC championship games for Patrick Mahomes. Are we witnessing perhaps one of the best AFC teams ever?
2: I don't know. The Bills made four Super Bowls no. in a row. I mean, maybe the second best.
1: Yeah, I mean just in terms of sustained greatness, yeah, the Bills, I think the Bills deserve deserve credit mm-hmm. for what they did. Uh even despite when you know you know not winning uh any of them, it's still just yeah. I, I say that also because you know, as as a kid, I was a 49er fan growing up. And you know, I watched Montana and Rice and Young and all those guys, but the, the team uh, that scared me was the Bills. Even though the Niners never ran into them in a Super Bowl, uh, that was a, that was the offense that scared me the most of any team in the league.
3: Yeah, I, I think they're perennially for what they did.
2: People forget. Yeah, the the Kelly, Thomas, Reed, that team, the yeah. Bills team was Bruce, I, Bruce Smith on defense.
1: I do remember the Niners and Bills played a regular season game against each other, which was – Amazing, it was in San Francisco. Uh, there were no punts in the game. I think both sides put up probably about 500 plus yards of offense. Um, and I just remember late in that game, I think Steve Young threw an interception, and that ended up being the difference. The Bills won by like a touchdown or less. <laughs> uh, and you know, this this kind of goes to the delusion of fans is that you know, for everything the Niners did well in that game and coming close to, to winning that game. I do remember sports talk radio saying that Joe Montana never would have thrown an interception. Steve Young is a bum and they need to make a change. So that was, uh, that was always funny to me.
3: Well, we're going to transition away from uh, the playoff games to look at a few players futures. But uh, before we do that, Dennis, how can people
2: uh, get their
3: teams in good shape for 2022?
2: I don't know if you play much dynasty, Marcus. I'm a huge, huge dynasty fan. Mm. And I use the Dynasty GM from Dynasty Nerds to manage my teams across multiple platforms. Do you want to dominate your Dynasty League? The Dynasty GM from Dynasty Nerds is the tool you need to get the job done. It integrates seamlessly with your MFL, Sleeper, Flea Flicker, and FFPC leagues. Use the League Analyzer to identify your team's strengths and weaknesses. Use the Trade Calculator to put together league-winning deals. And Player Shares Tracker to keep track of your roster ship. Get exclusive rankings and more. Use code ROUNDTABLE for 15% off the monthly or annual subscription. Bundle the Dynasty GM with the Nerd Herd to save even more. That's code ROUNDTABLE, all one word.
3: All right, we're going to do a quick stock up and stock down. We're going to look at a couple of players uh, at each of the big positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, who either made a big contribution in 2021 didn't make a big contribution or miss some time. And we are going to look at whether you should be buying them or avoiding them this off season. So we're going to start with quarterback right out of the gate. They say they're bringing him back in Cleveland, but how do we feel about Baker Mayfield? Dennis kick us off.
2: Yeah. Baker is from a fantasy perspective. He's a mid to low QB two. He's, he's a super flex asset at best. Uh, he, he, thinks he's Patrick Mahomes, but he's not. Uh, he likes to try to make, you know, he'll make one or two Mahomes plays a game and think he can do it all game long. Um, but I, I think he's stock neutral uh, given the landscape of quarterbacks. I mean, there's just, there's some elites, and then there's a, a bunch of Jags and Baker falls into that Jag category for me. Uh, I, I, I love the Browns. I adopted the Browns when I moved to Ohio. So, as a Lions and Browns fan, Marcus, I know losing. <laughs> so uh, that's
1: that's that's a lifetime of frustration, right there, is what that is. Um, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sort of with you. I think I think he's mostly a, a neutral. Maybe he gets a little bit of a bump just because of the shoulder thing that he was trying to play through for most of the year. Now he's going to have surgery. So so maybe a healthy Baker is slightly better, but it's not. I don't think that's enough of an uptick that I'm suddenly all in on on Baker Mayfield. I think at this point, we sort of know who he is, and and you're right. He's just he's sort of as the kids say, he's mid. You know, like he is, he's he's uh, yeah, he'll make some nice plays. Uh, he'll make some some kind of plays that that kill you as well. And I don't know that that I'd be excited about him one way or another, other than just kind of a, a roster filler uh, for me in Dynasty or any kind of fantasy league.
3: Yeah, I agree with you guys. Hopefully, they'll get a wide receiver. He's going to be playing for that contract this year. Be curious to see if that provides some good motivation. Well, our next quarterback. Uh, this one hits a little too close to home for me near near Denver, but is uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a decent season? Went seven and seven as the Broncos starter. Kind of unclear. A lot of things are unclear here in, in Colorado about where they're going. How do we feel about him for dynasty purposes?
1: Well, I'm gonna say he's stocked down, uh, just because there is so much uncertainty about him, right? I mean, I, I, I it doesn't sound like he's gonna be back in Denver, and if he is, he's gonna be competing again, you know, either with Drew Locke or with somebody else for that starting job. Um, and look, I like Teddy as a player, and I, you know, I, I certainly wish, you know, I, you know, we'll talk about what if, what, what would have happened if he not had that gruesome leg injury uh, during his time in Minnesota. But I think at this point, again, sort of like Baker, we sort of know who he is. Um, and there's nothing about him that that suggests he's gonna you know walk into a cushy spot where he's a guaranteed starter. So he's he's stocked down for me.
2: Yeah, I I think he's stocked down because I, he just he doesn't elevate the talent around him anymore. He's he's moving towards that Colt McCoy, Chad Henne type of finish out to his career. He's a guy you don't mind having on your team because in a pinch he's probably not gonna lose you the game. And if you need him for four or five games, he could probably go five hundred for you. I think if Baker had a little bit of Teddy in his game, he might even be stock up because then he wouldn't make the stupid bonehead mistakes. Now he wouldn't throw the ball very far either, so you don't want too much of that in Baker's game. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think Teddy. I, I like Teddy as a a guy. If if you know, he's the guy that I have. I, I go to get when I'm uh in a dynasty rebuild in superflex where my goal is to put a feasible team out on the field but lose every game so i get the (laughs) one-on-one teddy's the guy i'm looking for there
3: yeah you know it's a shame he arguably had a career year here in denver and yet they're talking about replacing him with marcus mariota so he is stock down for me i know that That eye roll there, that's how I feel as a Broncos fan when they start throwing around. Well, maybe it'll be a combo of Drew Locke and Marcus Mariota. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm not watching football in 2022. You can can watch the Cowboys. (laughs) Dennis, our last uh, quarterback in this group, we talked about him a little bit earlier, future starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jimmy Garoppolo. How do you feel?
2: If he's the starter for the Steelers, probably – I probably feel good about everything but the offensive line that's going to protect him because they, I mean, that's rough there, but he's hes better than Haskins and he's better than Rudolph, so I would give him a thumbs up there. Again, I feel like he's sort of in that phase of his career where he's going to bounce around a little bit. Uh, he's, he's like late career Matt Schaub, I think, before he went back to the Falcons. The, the last, the last, the last two or three years in, in Houston, kind of where is where Jimmy is at right now. Yeah,
1: I'd agree with that. Um, the thing about Pittsburgh, you talk about that offensive line. I, I used to joke that the next pass rusher Jimmy Joe Garoppolo evades will be the first. Uh, except he did it. He got away from a pass rusher and threw like an underhanded Mahomes type right. flip for a first down. I'm like, wow, he actually <laughs> got away from a pass rusher. It's amazing. Um, but he is. He's. I think. I think the rest of his career is sort of, kind of bridge quarterback seat filler. He's the guy that's good enough to kind of keep you competitive, but not not good enough to get you over the hump. Um, so I, you know, I think he'd be lucky to, to land in a situation that has as many weapons around him as he does in San Francisco. So it's hard to see the stock really going up much, if at
2: all. He's like an acid, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> he's gonna move around, be that guy, but he just doesn't bring any excitement whatsoever. He tamps down all the excitement.
3: Yeah, the one thing I would say that gives him a little bit of advantage to me over Jim, uh, over Bridgewater, is I think with the way San Francisco has gone on a run here, he's gonna end up as a starter somewhere. Um, which, you know, maybe not great, but it's something. Well, let's move to running back Marcus. We have seen Derrick Henry dominate a lot the last few years. Got it a little banged up here. Are you buying him in Dynasty? Are you
1: leery? I'm not really leery. Um, Really, before this year, he had really been healthy. He hadn't missed any significant time until this year. Now, I think the only reason to be sort of concerned is you know do the Titans lean on him as much next year as they have in the past and I think that is a, a legitimate question that you know he's not going to just be uh, you know just loaded up with touches because you know they understand what they have with him and they got to try to keep him healthy as much as possible. but I still think um, you're talking about a guy who is just a physical specimen. Uh, I think he's still going to get plenty of touches. I still think he's going to, you know, be a touchdown magnet the way he has been. So I think I think the stock, more than anything, kind of stays neutral. But that's pretty good considering it's it's already pretty high.
2: Yeah, I I struggle because fundamentally, at 29 years old, with all these carries the last three seasons, you, you just kind of got to go. Mm, I don't know. Add into that that he's like six foot three and 250 pounds. And it's like, okay, those are other things. But then you turn the other side of the coin, and it's like the dude just tears it up. He's bigger, better, faster, stronger than everybody else. And, and it it kind of puts me like where, where I've been the last couple of years with Zeke, which is I, I guess I'm riding him till the wheels fall off. And if he dies on my roster, he dies on my roster kind of approach.
3: Yeah, I think – for me, Derek Henry is at a place where he, his cost is usually too high for me to feel good about trying to acquire him. But if I have him, I still feel like we have at least one or two good years. I was kind of excited that they gave him that extension. I thought they were committing. Dennis, you uh, you referenced him, so we'll skip to him next. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously kind of a tough down year. Jerry Jones uh, seemed to equivocate a little bit about him and Amari Cooper. How are you feeling about Zeke these days?
2: Well, i, I he's probably going to die on my roster. I mean, <laughs> in my first pass at my uh, offseason dynasty rankings, I've got him somewhere around running back 15. Uh, I, I know he dealt with the injury most of this season playing on a torn PCL for, I guess, 12 games or something. Uh, but I, I, I just think that. The things he's, the things that at this point in his career, the things he does really, really, really well, aren't super productive for fantasy because it's not point per blitz pickup. I mean, <laughs> he's he's fantastic. He he's a good receiver, but he doesn't the explosiveness. Whether it's the injury, it'll be interesting to see how he comes uh, out of the gate next year because he's always been just in really, really good shape and able to just do things a lot of other players can't. But this year, the last, he just seems to knock off a little bit each season. And I think we're at the point where you've got to kind of move him down into the RB2 territory and figure out where in RB2 territory uh, he might land. And then maybe you'll get lucky and he'll have a James Conner type of season or two.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much down and, and I don't know if I'm fully out on Zeke, but I'm I'm getting there. I feel like the, the Cowboys sort of told us at the start of last season what was going to happen. They were really not even hinting, pretty much just saying we want to get Tony Pollard more involved. And that's absolutely what happened, throwing the injury, uh, the fact that Zeke has just become less and less efficient as the years have gone on. Um, you know, it, it's I think if you have him, you are sort of holding on to him because you you you're not going to get. A good return if you're trying to move him at this point but you just sort of understand that uh like i said he's probably going to die on your roster so you just sort of have to you know figure out how to work around that at this point with Lizzie.
3: yeah he's stocked down for me but I, I agree with you you can't really sell him for enough to make it enticing well, uh, Marcus, the probably the biggest question uh, in the running back landscape that we've seen change from beginning of season to end is Christian McCaffrey, who, again, not much of a factor during the season battling those injuries, not big questions about his offense, even some rumblings that they want to maybe move on from him. For a guy that was kind of consensus number one running back the last two off seasons. Where are we at with McCaffrey?
1: Yeah, no, stuck down in a big way on him. Um, You know, the injuries over the last two years, what, 10 combined games in the last two years, uh, you know, that's a big reason to be concerned. Um, You know, it's almost like, remember when he got drafted, everybody's like, well, he can't run between the tackles. You know, can he hold up? And the first few years he did, and he was amazing, and everybody was sort of having to eat crow. But the last two years, it just feels like that's sort of caught up. Um, you know, the, the Panthers were a mess offensively this past year. I know they hired Ben McAdoo. That doesn't immediately do a whole lot for me. Um, so I just – I think I'm, I'm really down on McCaffrey. On His stock's way down for me.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's stocked down. He just, he's got a lot of tread worn off the tires uh, and breaking down the last couple of years with injuries. I'm a little higher on the McAdoo hire. Uh, I mean, before he became the Giants head coach, the Giants were, I think, 10th and sixth in points scored in the NFL. So, while I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm jumping for joy. I, I'm more in the, you know, the art, the uh, Missouri show me state kind of uh, <laughs> approach to the Ben McAdoo hire. I, I probably, the bigger concern there is, is uh, Rule going to fire McAdoo midseason because he thinks he's trying to take his job in a power struggle? Uh, but back to McCaffrey, I, I think the transition he has to transition to a pass catching back. You know, if he could if he's getting 100 targets a year and 60 carries instead of 200 carries and 100 targets, then I think it'll it's going to really make his career. It's going to add some years to it. But at, at 5 what is he 5'9 5'10, 5'11, 200 205 pounds, Uh, you know, those size players can do a lot of things, but it's a beautiful example of the hashtag two to three year window when it comes to running backs. Uh, You know, after that second breakout season, he should have been a sell, sell, sell.
3: So, I guess, quick follow-up question. If you were doing a dynasty startup right now, still top 10, top 15, top 20, I agree that he's, he's down, and I wouldn't he wouldn't be in my top five, but how far?
1: <clears throat> Ooh, for me, he's he's top 15. Um, just because, I mean, you know, like like Dennis was saying, like if, if you're talking about him having to really cut back his workload, I mean, part of why you liked him was because he was efficient and he was productive. But also part of it was just the sheer volume. But if they really do have to cut back that much on the workload, uh it's hard to really consider him a top 10 guy for
2: me. Yeah, I mean from a overall draft pick standpoint I'll let Marcus take him top 15 i'll take somebody else i'll i'll, I'll, find, I'll find excuses to not take him um until I keep in, in, until I hear more about oh he's he's healthy again he's you know the offense look i I, I struggle with it I, he's one of those guys like i i did it last year uh in in the uh, fantasy football roundtable redraft league I started out Taylor and Saquon because I was like man people aren't I'm going to be able to get Saquon in the second round because everybody's so worried about his injuries and whatnot well I did and then it kind of worked, played out just like everybody else expected and I barely squeaked into the playoffs and got knocked out in the first round and I feel like CMC is right there in that he's going to get overdrafted because if he's right man, the dude is on and and he could be, he could be the difference. But right now the odds, I think are so much heavier that he's not going to be that guy that I'd find it hard. I probably, I'd probably not take him until the beginning of the third, which means I'm not going to roster him.
3: Yeah, I feel like he'd fall somewhere between 12 to 15 for me, but I'm going to be watching what this offense does. Well, let's swing over and get a couple of wide receivers, a couple of guys that we all had some high hopes for going into 2021 that did not pan out. Dennis, first one we're going to look at, Calvin Ridley. I was all in on uh, him getting a starring role in that offense. He was the guy that I picked to be wide receiver one for 2021. And that did not pan out for me. Now rumblings, that he's not even going to be a Falcon in 2022. Where are you at with Calvin Ridley?
2: Well, I picked him as wide receiver three, so it's not like I was out on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I feel like it's an opportunity to buy, even if he goes somewhere else. He's, he's a really good wide receiver. You know, as somebody who has had a relatively checkered past, I often will joke that there's two kinds of people, those in therapy and those that need therapy. And that he was strong enough to say, hey, man, I got some shit I got to take care of, and went and did it, and the Falcons were supportive. I, I don't know if there's something internally there that he wouldn't be like, I really appreciate you guys supporting me. I want to come back and play hard for you. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not privy to the Falcons culture, but it feels like that if, if he's coming back to play, that he'd want to be go back and say, I really appreciate you guys being so supportive that he might get moved. I, I could see if they moved him for money because they're, you know, they signed Ryan to that ludicrous extension and, and they're going to be needing to find money somewhere. But I, I, I like the talent.
1: No, I'm with you. Um, the talent is there, and I think that's the reason to sort of be optimistic about him. It, it's just sort of waiting to see what the situation is going to be. So, um, I mean, if I have him, I think I'm holding on to him. Um, but I wouldn't mind maybe, you know, if the price is right, trying to acquire it. Now the, the question is, you know, what, what are, what's you know, somebody willing to, to accept as an offer for him? But uh, but the talent isn't an issue. It's just a matter of you know, like you said, is he going to be in a place where he feels like he can play football and can contribute? But once he's on the field, I've got no doubts about uh, what he can do.
3: Yeah, that's for me. Talent alone, I couldn't see dropping him out of probably my top fifteen. If he ends up getting moved to some place like the Chargers, which was rumored, my God, I might have. <laughs> I might. I might go back to number one. If only once, shame on. Shame on me, but I I have trouble going all in. All right. Another guy who uh, just did not, we did not see the season we were hoping to see is Allen Robinson. Played under the franchise tag, arguably got to play with the best quarterbacks he's had in his career, and just was a relative non factor. He's heading into potential free agency again. Marcus, how are you feeling about Allen Robinson?
1: Maybe it's because I just love him so much and I want the best for him that I'm still willing to kind of be in on Alan Robinson. Um, You know, it, it was apparent early on. He just, it wasn't working out. He didn't want to be there, Um, you know, I, but I, I feel like whatever comes next uh, can't be worse than what we saw this past year. So I, I think this might be a good time to kind of get in on him. I think a lot of people are probably going to be down after what we saw this past year, but I still believe. So uh, I'm willing to kind of stay on this on this bus.
2: Yeah. I, I like Robinson a lot. I think it's a – maybe I'm an idiot, but I think it's a great buying opportunity. I, I think that uh, Matt Nagy kind of alienated a lot of players. He didn't handle the quarterback situation very well. He had a relatively uncreative offense. Uh, not not that I would probably be better. I'd be like, oh, let's we're, we're running nines. Let's roll, everybody. Throw it as far as you can You know, because I'm an idiot. Uh, but i think robinson is still he's only he's what 28 i think maybe 29 he's kind of entering he, right right Maybe 27 into, 28, 28.
1: 28
2: yeah. you know he's right there at at that age where he deserves a good quarterback damn it he, <laughs> <laughs> throw it out into the universe you, you know i was looking up on the trade browser on the dynasty gm uh, i'm a company man. Uh, Calvin Ridley for 23 first. Too much or not enough? I do. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I do. Calvin Ridley for Hunter Henry and Michael Thomas.
3: I mean, am I, I getting want, Calvin Ridley? Because, I want Ridley. You know, I yeah. want Ridley. <laughs> yeah, That's crazy. I know Michael Thomas. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, swing and look at a couple of tight ends before we move to the part that we've all been waiting for, which is Marvel Corner. Uh, first one, this one's near and dear to my heart. Marcus Noah Fant. I love the talent. We have just not consistently seen it happening in Denver. And this year it actually looked like King Albert, Albert O, was the more favored tight end in certain situations. They have, they re upped all their receivers. So they have all their receivers, still don't have a quarterback, don't really have a plan to get one. How are you feeling about Fan?
1: Um, I still believe but I don't know that I would give up a whole lot to try to acquire him at this point. Like I still think there's something there and I think, you know, I think all of the receivers can benefit from an upgraded quarterback. Um so like I said, I I I would if the price was right, if it was low enough, I would probably try to get Noah Fant, but um you know, I understand people who just kind of want to walk away from the situation.
2: Yeah, he's he's in that 6 to 20 range of tight ends he could be six or 20 any given <laughs> week and that there's a whole bunch of guys there maybe the quarterback situation being resolved will provide some certainty uh, it, to me that's really once you get past those four or five elite tight ends then it comes down to can they get consistent enough targets to do it year after year after year and so far Uh, We haven't seen that happen with anybody. That's why that second tier of tight ends is so vast.
3: And the prodigal Matt arrives. That's, you know, that's how I feel about, that's how I feel about Fant. He's tight end one talent in a tight end two situation. It's just kind of a, Depressing. How, how do you feel, Bruning? Stock up or stock down for Noah? Fant? No
0: idea what we're talking about. No, <laughs> no fan. I will say stock up because they're going to get Aaron Rodgers in the offseason Just, just for your little heart's desire. Well,
3: uh, it's just too bad that Matt couldn't join us for the rest. Of the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
3: So the last one we're going to do for stock up, stock down. Dalton Schultz. He had an incredible season this year, but. Heading into free agency, unclear whether he goes to Dallas or somewhere else. We'll uh, we'll start with you, Dennis. How are you feeling about Mr.
2: Schultz? Well, I feel like Dallas is going to want to retain him. I know they've got Blake Jarwin there, who was supposed to be the guy, and then he got injured, and Schultz took over. The trouble is, is, is Dalton Schultz just the most recent Robert Tunyon? Yeah. Is 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 it just you know? There's going to be, somebody's got to be tight end five or tight end six. Last year it was Tunyon, This year it was Schultz. And and you know, I probably am not going out of my way, but in a startup draft, I might reach a round or two depending on what it looks like ha- is going to happen in free agency. But he's a good tight end. He's a he, He's on the field, all three downs, and he's shown the ability to get into the end zone. All right, Marcus.
1: How do you feel? I I kind of like Schultz, um, and I think mostly it's because at least there's consistency there. I think that's the one thing we're sort of missing at the the tight end position. You just want a guy that is consistent. Yes, you can go get your leads. You can go and get out, you know, try to reach or, or spend up to get a, a a kittle, a wall, or a Kelsey, a Mark Andrews, um, but. Dalton Schultz is sort of like like for me, my, my my house bullet, my house bourbon is bullet because it's sort of that intersection of affordability and quality. And I feel like Dalton Schultz is sort of that. He's he's bullet bourbon, right? Like it's fine. Like it's it's not it's not on top shelf thing, but it, you know what, it, it it works for you, right? And and you don't have to spend a lot to get it. So that's that's how I feel about it.
2: Dalton Bullet Schultz, as he said. <laughs> from now on being known. <laughs> All right, Bruni.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, stock up. My only concern I have about him is will, what team will he end up with? Because I think with Dallas's cap situation, he's likely not going to be a cowboy any longer. So where where does he end up going in free agency? But he's shown the talent with uh, with Dak Prescott and all those weapons around him as well, right? He had a really great season having Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, and Michael Gallup when he was healthy around him and still ended up producing. So I'm excited to see where he goes, and I definitely think at uh, the tight end landscape, he's a guy that I'd be willing to buy into.
3: Since the cap is a myth, I think he goes back to Dallas. If, you know, if all these other teams can can uh, have zero cap space and splash out a hundred million dollar deal, I think they can find uh, some space for Bullet Schultz there. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, Bruning is here because this is the part that we have been waiting for. If you uh, were just tuning in for the football content, uh, just like Dennis there, uh, we, we won't be offended if you want to step away. But before we wrap up today, we want to get back to one of our tried and true staples, which is the Marvel Corner. Marcus, I trust you are a Marvel fan as well.
1: I am. I am. Although I will say this, let me preface this by saying, uh, I have not yet seen Spider-Man: No Way Home. Um, like, and I am a huge Spider-Man guy, but real life has prevented me from going out to see this film yet. So I can't, I can't properly rate it because I haven't actually seen it. So that's my only, that's my only caveat. Here.
3: It is kind of the busy season when you work for the NFL. Somehow, you know, like December down the stretch feels like the, uh, the busy season. All right, we are big Marvel fans here, so I thought what we would do is uh, each of us could give our top five. Obviously, the caveat for Marcus, he has not yet seen Spider-Man. I will be curious to see how that will uh, impact. Um, We are not going to ruin anything for you here, but suffice to say, Bruning and I both uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. I've I've
1: heard nothing but great things about it.
3: All right, Marcus, I'll let you kick it off. What is your number
1: five? So number five... I don't know if this is outside the box or not, but I'm gonna say Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, oh,
0: it was just you. fun. It
1: was just so much fun, right? Like, and not that the other movies weren't fun, but Guardians was a lot of fun. The music was amazing. I think on soundtrack alone, like Guardians deserves to be in my top five. Um, number four was Iron Man, um, the first Iron Man, right? Because it was, you know, as much as I know that uh, it was it was Captain America that kicked off the whole series. Iron Man, I think, sort of took it to the next level. So that's yeah. number four. Uh, number three, it's The Winter Soldier. Because um, it was great. It was just great, right? And it, and it really did a lot to move kind of the whole MCU story along. So that's my number three. Number two is Black Panther. Uh, it was just amazing. Um, yeah, I think it was the only one. It was the only No, it's not the only one I saw multiple times at theaters. I saw a couple other ones multiple times in theaters, but I love Black Panther. And then number one for me uh, is Endgame, Avengers Endgame, because to. Have a a series, a franchise with 20 movies, and to wrap it up and tie it all together like that was amazing. And even now, when I watch it on YouTube or when I see other people sort of do mock ups and re edits of it, that portal scene still gets me emotional. Like I still get a little bit choked up when everybody starts coming through the portal, just like the first time I saw it. So, uh, and plus, after 20 movies, you finally get Captain America saying Avengers a symbol and it was well deserved and well earned it wasn't just some cheap throwaway line like it hit different when you finally said it
3: plus we got perhaps the catchphrase that caught on the most from those movies america's ass <laughs> <laughs> uh, dennis i trust uh, you're gonna pass on giving us your top five marvel
2: well, I'm looking to see if I've seen five <laughs> Marvel movies.
3: Well, we'll we'll come back to you, Matt. You want to give us your your top? Yeah,
0: this was this was tough for me. I think uh, for me, at five, is probably Thor Ragnarok. I I just mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was about that, but I, I really loved I really loved that movie. Uh, four for me is is black panther it was an amazing movie it is one of my favorites rest in peace obviously to Chadwick with bozeman because that was uh i thought he was set up to be one of the the better characters here in this in this marvel universe it was it's sad that uh, we will no longer have him with us three for me is probably iron man i mean i remember back in the day going to see that in theaters with all my friends no idea what this was going to turn into and then when you got that nick fury cutscene at the end was just all of a sudden like wait a minute, they just showed Nick Fury what the hell is going on. Like, that was a huge moment for me. Uh, Two is Guardians of the Galaxy. I just love that. I love both of them. I'm really excited to see what the third one has, but I just love Guardians of the Galaxy. I, that's one of those ones, every time it comes on, I can rewatch it. And then number one for me is, is just like Marcus, it's Endgame. I mean, just not even just the portal scene. I mean, Iron Man, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I don't know what you've been doing. Well, Dennis, cover your ears. Dennis, earmuffs. I mean... He might have Iron seen Man, that one
3: in 2008. He might have... I
0: mean, mm-hmm. Iron Man dying, I mean, it's just... It still hits. It's still one of those things. Every time you... And they have... Marcus mentioned the, the portal scene. Like, you can find all those clips on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, where, with the people cheering and all that stuff. Like, it's just... It's amazing. I wanted to fit No Way Home in there, but it's—I think it's like right <laughs> on the verge of five there with with Thor for me. But yeah, Endgame has got to be number one.
2: Yeah. So, so w- what I will say is that I watch movies differently than you guys. So the whole tied together, different stories from all this—I can't keep up with all that. Maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. But I go and I watch a movie and I'm like, oh, that was a good movie. You know, but it's like, I, I'm not going back. Oh, well, it brought in this from this and that from that. I I struggle with that when I listen to you guys talk because I enjoyed the movies. I saw Endgame. I thought it was a great movie. I've seen the spider I've I, I've seen, uh, what else? Black Panther. I've seen Ant-Man. I've seen both Guardians of the Galaxy. I loved them. Thought they were great movies. Didn't quite hit the same way with me that it does you guys, not good or bad, I guess, just different. It just is. Well,
3: for me, uh, put a lot of uh, thought into this. Number five for me is Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, prior to seeing that, my number five was Spider Man Far From Home. I just think the last couple that they've done, I really love Tom Holland in the part. I love the blend of humor and drama that they've managed to do. Uh, I thought it was a real kick. Number four for me is Endgame. Uh, you know, I remember seeing that. In, in some ways, it's it's hard. To, uh, it feels like it was a long time ago, but that was the same weekend we got. Endgame game and the long night episode of game of thrones I don't, I don't think i've ever been so ginned up for a pop culture weekend as i was that weekend of course when i was visiting my grandma in uh, idaho so you know it's like grandma i can't stay for dinner i've got to go uh number three for me is ragnarok i love taika watiti's writing and directing um i just The humor there uh they really let chris hemsworth off the leash if you've seen him in some non-marvel things he is an incredible comedic actor um and i thought they let him shine in that one i loved the the banter um between all the main characters and that was probably my favorite uh loki film too you know to their back and forth and the fun that they have uh number two for me is black panther um that was such a great experience. Unlike you, I loved Chadwick Boseman's performances in a whole ton of things. He was so great in so many roles. I loved him when he played Jackie Robinson too in 42, but I, I just love that movie. I've watched it a bunch of times and it always resonates with me. Number one, it has been my number one since I saw it in theaters. I had no expectations going to see it. I didn't know what the hell this was going to be, but Guardians of the Galaxy. I just—it's my sense of humor, I guess. My wife does not understand. That's one of the ones that she doesn't like. She's always, "Why are you watching this again?" Um, it just—it speaks to me, and it's—it's it's always been number one. I just like like that style so much. Um, so those are my my top five. It's interesting. We had a lot of uh, crossover. A lot of similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we thank you guys all for being here. Thank you, especially Marcus. Can you, uh, before we get out of here, why don't you tell people where they can find you on on social media, on TV, everything you got going on?
1: Yeah, best place to find me is on Twitter at Marcus G, U-A-R-C-A-S-G. Well, I'm also on TikTok at Marcus Grant. It's my full name there. So you can go, I'm trying to keep up with the kids. So I'm on TikTok now. Uh, so doing a podcast a couple times a week, you can find that the NFL fantasy football show, wherever you download podcasts and uh, yeah, YouTube uh, between the 32 bit stuff that you can find at the number 30, the word two and bit and find that on YouTube. You can find fantasy stuff on YouTube. I uh, probably more places than the law allows. Uh, but uh, like I said, it's, Twitter is sort of the clearinghouse to find where I'm doing a whole bunch of different stuff.
3: Well, we thank you so much for being here and sharing, uh, sharing your insights. It has been a blast. Appreciate you
1: guys
3: having me. You guys want to say anything else?
0: Goodbye. Thank you so much. Sorry, guys, I could not make it sooner, but thank you so <laughs> much, Marcus, for jumping on. Uh, I sure. see. You
2: just didn't want to talk football today, so you just showed up at the end.
0: No, I mean, in all honesty, I had a great proud papa moment today. I even posted it on Twitter. So it was mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I'd love you guys know I love talking football, but man, when I get when I get to do something like that with my kids, it's kind of one of those things that's gotta take precedence. It's got to. So, yeah. Good
3: Well, we will be back on Friday previewing the NFC and AFC championship games. And you never know, we may actually get back to our rookie quarterback profiles. But until then, guys, have a great week.
2: Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on ready. Do you got your popcorn ready?
1: I came out the one ready. Unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored if you played
2: football for this team. Throwing up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only
0: oh, they tackle us on forty Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can. <laughs>